Well, welcome to our Graceway Baptist Church midweek service. We uh, so appreciate you tuning in and uh, want to encourage you to continue to go to the website, download the newsletter from uh, the resources. The address there is um, gracewayokc.org in case you're new or unfamiliar with it. And uh, you can keep up with things that are going on, know what to pray for, know things that are happening and uh, be apprised of any changes that might be taking place as well as um, you'll see the names of people on the prayer list that you can minister to and continue to pray for. Uh, I just had an update on Tanya Oldham and she is doing uh, well and um, uh, maybe getting out of ICU pretty soon so that's a good deal. Continue to pray for her and Lynn. And also today, Craig Maggot is being transferred out of the hospital to a rehab facility. And uh, so that's a vast improvement uh, for him. So um, continue to uh, pray for one another. I had a um, CT scan yesterday on my chest, and we got the results back from that. And uh, it confirmed the uh, pleural effusion, so that's the problem with the shortness of breath and all of that type of thing, and uh, hopefully that'll help me get into a pulmonologist sooner than March 1st. Um, good news is they didn't see any signs of cancer or anything like that. Someone told me the other day they looked up that uh, particular term and everything they saw was about mesothelioma. Well, that makes you feel real comfortable. But uh, anyway, none of that as far as uh, we can tell with it. So we uh, praise the Lord for that. Uh, also, um, as we think about uh, church and um, all of uh, the things that we do, we are uh, kind of watching the uh, numbers on the uh, COVID-19, especially, you know, you get so many uh, different things about the, uh, the positives and the negatives and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm not um, entirely convinced that all of those numbers are, are as accurate as maybe they should be. But uh, we do kind of watch the hospitalization things. And as uh, time goes by, and hopefully the vaccine will help, then we can uh, start reevaluating the uh, feasibility of meeting together more often and that type of thing. So we'll let you know, and hopefully it won't be uh, too much longer. We uh, also want to encourage you to pray for our nation and pray for our uh, new president and vice president and members of Congress. And also, while you're doing those kind of things, don't forget to pray for people like your mayor and city council, school board. A lot of important things that have to be uh, decided on that level, too. And there's a lot of opportunity for... Um, things to kind of get uh, messed up and uh, off track. And uh, there's a lot at stake right now. And uh, sometimes when you hear some of the different conspiracy theories and things like that, it's hard not to be affected by some of those kind of things. And at the same time, sometimes you get so tired of hearing everything that uh, people think might be going on you just kind of want to unplug and sort of check out after a while and not 
have much to do with anything else. And neither one of those is a real good situation. Um, we want to always be walking in the truth as God knows it to be. And that's a great way to pray. Lord, show me the truth about these situations as you know it to be before your throne. Because, of course, God is not confused and God is not the author of confusion and God is not manipulating all of the information for monetary benefit or political purposes or anything like that. And at the same time, he knows exactly what <clears throat> needs to happen in order for us to um, protect people and in order for us to uh, not be uh, foolish as we walk through this uh, earth and through this time. So uh, let's just be careful. Let's uh, support one another and help one another and certainly keep uh, watching these videos. We've been looking in the Psalms and we have been in Psalms 33 for a few weeks and uh, had several people remark about how timely last week's message was with the inauguration and everything. It's amazing how sometimes when you're just preaching through a book of the Bible, things just kind of fall into place. And uh, there was no agenda, there was no manipulation to that, because you guys know what we were doing and how we were doing it and going through there, and it just happened to fall and to be where it was. Um, this morning, I um, am having trouble. I use a, a Kindle uh, with my eyesight problems. That's the easiest for me to use it. And somehow it is trying, and see, here's another conspiracy theory thing for you. It is trying to do something in Chinese. I don't know. I've had a couple of people look at it, and uh, we can't quite figure it out. So uh, I don't know what the, uh, how the Chinese got a hold of my sermon. Who knows? But anyway, uh, in order to be able to do this and get this out on time, I'm just going to use my uh, iPhone here. So um, you can uh, follow along, of course, in your Bible, and I would encourage you to do that. And it's Psalm 33, and we're going to be looking at uh, 12 through 15. And I want to back up just a little bit. In verse 12, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, most of the time in my life, I've heard that used like on a God and country Sunday type service, a patriotic service, and it certainly is true. But looking at it with these other verses gives just a little bit of insight and um, might help us understand just a little bit more. So Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Now, I don't think that uh, that is exclusive to Israel because I think the psalmist probably would have named the nation of Israel. They never were shy about doing that. However, um, I don't think that even when you look at it and say any nation whose God is the Lord is going to be blessed, that, again, would be more than true. But I also don't think you can exclude the context here that David probably is talking about the nation of Israel. And so, well, again, just to make sure, I think blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord could apply to any nation upon the earth, 
but I think in David's mind he's talking about the nation of Israel. And then he says something in uh, verse 13. It says, The Lord looks from... Um, let me get this right here. Looks from heaven and he sees all the sons of men. Well, that's his omniscience, right? Verse 14, from the place of his dwelling, well, that again is heaven. I wonder why it says that twice. And we'll talk about that. From the place of his dwelling, he looks upon all the inhabitants of the earth. And then verse 15 um, there's a little bit of translation problem. So if you have a um, like an ESV or something like that, it might be a little bit different. New King James puts it like this. He fashions their hearts individually and he considers all their works. Now when it says in uh, this translation, he fashions their hearts individually. It's making a reference, of course, to the fact that he is the creator. And some of the modern translations go ahead and kind of put that in the past tense. He's the one who has or had fashioned their hearts. And with that is the idea that the one who makes you is the one who knows you. The one who designed you is the one who knows what makes you tick. The one that has put you together, he's not surprised by anything that you do. And so um, all of those verses together give me some um, ideas for you and for me to consider. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Okay, And then it talks about immediately him being in heaven, being in his dwelling place and looking down upon the earth, but not just at that nation. Not just at the nation whose God is the Lord. What did it say in two different verses? He looks down upon all the inhabitants of the earth. All of them. He's not surprised. He's not caught off guard. He sees everything that is going on. He's not just watching and looking at uh, his own people. Now, why would that be important? Well, first of all, I want you to... Uh, Think in terms of this, that first verse that talks about the Lord looking down upon the earth, verse 13. I, I would put it like this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord because he is attentive. The Lord is watching. And while the Lord watches everybody, I'm not sure that you could say that he watches everybody in the same way. While he sees everything that is going on, I think that he's got an eye toward his people here on earth, toward you and toward me and toward any nation that will follow him. But at the same time, he's watching and God, maybe we would say he's attentive to the big picture. He knows what's going on north, south, east, and west. He knows what is going on in governments that are favorable toward him and toward his people. And he also knows what is going on in governments that are hostile toward him and toward his people. If you think back to the 1930s with the rise of Adolf Hitler, do you think that the Lord did not know that? And while he is watching 
uh, let's say the Jews in particular during that time, especially in Europe, that's where most of them lived, and the rise of this anti-Semite, the rise of this dictator, the rise of this ungodly pagan man, as he takes over power in Germany, I mean, we've got another <clears throat> thing that we need to think of. Romans 13 tells us that there's no authority except from God. That includes the Hitlers, that includes the Neros, that includes the Stalins. They just don't know it and they don't acknowledge it, of course. But God does because he is the one who is attentive to the situation in which these nations that are blessed, the context in which they live. You think about all of that. Did the Lord know? Yes, he knew. And was the Lord watching his people? Yes. Was he also watching what the um, anti-Semitic Nazis were doing? Did he know their plans? Did he know their goals for exterminating the Jews? Yes, he did. And what happened? The Nazis are gone for the most part, as an official governmental power and all of that. And the Jews still remain. In fact, something tremendous has happened since World War II that these Jews that were mapped for extermination now not only have survived the Holocaust, but they actually have their own nation as of May of 1948. And no matter how many people have tried to attack them, or boycott them, or terrorize them, or whatever, they still remain. And God protects his people because he is attentive, never caught off guard, never unaware of anything that is going to happen, but always ready to stand and to defend his people. He's an attentive God. The second thing that uh, I'd like to say is, that when you think about God, uh, number two, and uh, be more from verse 14, think about the Lord is always not only watching and attentive, but he is always on the lookout for ways to defend. Always on the lookout. Now, if he is seeing the rise of people who would be a threat and who would hurt his people? Is he simply like the parent on the sideline of the soccer field who sees their uh, son or daughter get hurt and, and, and really wishes they could do something but can't? He's got to leave it to the experts. Leave it. I mean, maybe they call an ambulance. Maybe they bandage a leg or something like that. And here's the anxious parent pacing the sideline, saying, give me information, tell me what's going on. Is that our God? See, the Bible says we have a God who knows everything and a God who sovereignly controls everything and that all of these things work together together for our good. That means every component of it is necessary. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, You've been through some hard times. I've been through some hard times. I have some things that, frankly, if you just ask me, I could have been better off without them. But I have to trust my Heavenly Father, and so do you. 
if you're going to understand any of this or put it together or learn from it, that every component of life, the good things as well as the evil things, the difficult things, were necessary to Romans 8.29, conform you to the image of Christ. Now, when I look at that and I think about, did these things make me more like Jesus or not? Sometimes I have to say no. Sometimes I have to say from my perspective, they pushed me away. From my perspective, they made it more difficult. From my perspective, they delayed the process of me becoming like Jesus. But that's just my perspective. See, That's just your perspective. I had someone say to me, all things work together for good, Romans 8, 28, to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. And he said, I just cannot for the life of me see anything good in this situation. Well, part of that is because we're too short-sighted, aren't we? We just don't have all the information and we don't see how it all works together uh, yet, yet. Now, one day we will. The old hymn says we'll understand it better by and by, and that certainly is true. And sometimes you even get the benefit of seeing those things work together in your own lifetime. What a great blessing that is. Whenever you're able to look back and say, what I thought was the worst thing, and talk to old people. They almost always have a story like this. What I thought was the worst thing what I thought was the devil's victory, what I thought was the thing that was hindering me, turned out to be one of the greatest things that I've ever experienced. And in all of that, we see the, the grace of God, we see the sovereignty of God, we see the power of God, and we see God as he takes us through from the beginning of those situations. Some of them catch us off guard, some of them don't. But as he walks us through those things and as he begins to show us his love and his care, he brings things into our life, people into our life. He changes things in our life that never would have been touched had we not gone through that situation. You see, God is not just the anxious parent walking on the sideline wishing desperately he could do something. He's the God who takes all of that and because he orchestrates it, because he controls it, he is the God who can also walk with us in that situation. Let's think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And let's think about the whole situation. Was God in control? Yeah, he's the one that uh, had allowed them to be captured by Nebuchadnezzar and taken into Babylon with Daniel, their friend, remember? While they're in that situation, it was God who was the one who allowed Nebuchadnezzar to have the power that he had. That's indisputable. It was also God that allowed the worship of false gods in Babylon. He could have stopped it. In fact, he did stop it, didn't he? And uh, yet, what happened? At this particular point, Nebuchadnezzar builds the idol. This is before he went crazy and before he was converted. He builds the idol and he says, everyone, when the music starts, bow down. Everyone worship the idol. 
And he said, and if you don't, you'll be thrown into a fiery furnace where you'll be burned alive. Well, you remember the story. The music starts and everybody bows down except for these three men. Nebuchadnezzar sees it and he's furious. And he calls them before him and says, don't you know what's going to happen to you? And uh, they said, yes, we know. But our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to your idol. Got to admire that, don't you? And during this time, God was fully aware. He was watching everything that was going on. And in fact, he is engaged in everything that was going on. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar was so infuriated, he said, make the furnace seven times hotter. And it was so hot that when the guards took the three Hebrew children, as we call them, to the furnace, they perished, but not those three. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar is watching, and you could just imagine him rubbing his eyes and looking in astonishment. Did we not throw three men into the fire? Then how is it that I see four and they're walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Well, we take that literally. The Son of God was with them because He wasn't just on the sideline. He was walking with them. Where was God during the Holocaust? He was with His people. Where was God during some of the tragedies you faced? He was right there with you because He never leaves you or forsakes you. He's not just the God who sits back from a distance and watches and wishes he could do something. And he does this in the instance of nations as well. Sometimes we think that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord means we won't have any trouble. And yet when you think about it, use Israel as an example. There were times when Israel had tremendous trouble. And the real trouble they had was... God was their Lord. And when they strayed and when they worshipped other gods, when they disobeyed his laws, when they violated his standards, God didn't ignore it like he did some of the other nations. He didn't ignore it or wink at it. He did something about it because they were his people. You do realize that being a child of God not only gives you the love of God, and the favor of God gives you the attention of God when you ignore Him, when you disobey Him. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it says in that 12th chapter, that whom the Lord loves, He, you know the word, He chastens, doesn't He? He disciplines, He corrects. And having God being a nation's God, God does not take their actions and their disobedience lightly. He loves them. As one writer said, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to let you stay that way. So God is not a passive parent on the sideline. These nations who have the Lord as their God are blessed because he is paying attention on the world scene to everything that is a threat to them, and he is also paying attention to what they are going through, whether it's disciplinary or whether it is persecution. You say, well, what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What did they do wrong? Well, remember, they're a part of the Jewish nation, 
and the Jewish nation had strayed from God for years and years and years and years. They had prophet after prophet after prophet that would come to them and warn them about uh, being taken out of the land, being taken away captive. And the reason that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel were in Babylon is because of their nation's sins. See, individuals suffer when nations, when governments, when societies, and when cultures turn from God. Sometimes that tide carries us where we don't want to go, even if we're not specifically the guilty ones in that. Well, we think about God disciplining his people, teaching his people, blessing his people, affirming his people, correcting his people, whatever you want to say, and that is a part of the process. He does that even for nations. You see, for a nation to be blessed of God, it may not just mean that they have a lot of money. It may not mean that they have military power. It may not mean that they dominate trade. It may not mean any of those kind of things. It may mean simply that when they sin, God causes them to collapse. And it may be that even in our own country, that covenants that people like Washington and others made with God, that what we are seeing today may be God saying, I'm going to hold the covenant up. I'm going to hold up my end. Washington's gone, but I'm not. And so I'm going to deal with this country, and it may mean that he actually disciplines us because of our sin and uh, hopefully brings us back to him. Let's uh, look at a third thing here, and uh, let's think of this. Because he understands their thinking. That's what it means when it said he fashioned their hearts. When you have the heart, the heart is the core of the being. The heart is where we think. Remember the Bible says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible references the heart more than just the brain. The heart is the core of your being, the motive center of your life. And there are a lot of times when we may act like, we may act like we give a rip about what God thinks. I wonder how many presidents have placed their hands on a Bible in a blasphemous way because the intent of their heart had nothing to do with God had nothing to do with honoring the Lord, had nothing to do with even moral purposes. In fact, we've had presidents that lay their hand on a Bible and take an oath, and while they are doing that in their heart, what are they wanting to do? Expand perversion. Expand the murder of innocent babies. All of those type of things. I wonder how many times that, that may happen. Well, when we look at the scripture and as we understand these things, we know that God knows their hearts. And why would he know their heart? Because he made their heart. And that heart, that motive center in their life, God is never shocked, never surprised, and he's never, in a true sense, disappointed. Now, he may be saddened, he may be grieved. There are all kinds of words 
He may be angered. We can put all kinds of words with it. But disappointed, I don't think, would be one because a disappointment comes when you expected one thing and you got something that was substandard. Happens a lot of times um, in wedding anniversaries, doesn't it? Here's one thing that is expected and here's what the reality is out of it. It's a disappointment. I was caught off guard. You may talk to somebody that says, I didn't know he was that kind of man or I didn't know she was that kind of woman. You see, you never find that with God. Why? Because he made the heart. He knows the heart. And he knows what's real. He knows what's not real. He knows what is superficial. He knows what is for show. He knows what is done as a cover-up. But you can never hide yourself from God. The Bible says that even the darkness is light to him. You know, the Bible talks about darkness, that hidden place. The Bible talks about people loving darkness rather than loving the light. And they don't want the light because the light would expose their evil deeds. That's the problem people have with the word of God. It's a light unto their feet, a lamp unto their path. That's why people have trouble with Jesus. He is the light of the world and he exposes everything that is truly going on in our life. He peels it back so that it is clearly known and it can no longer be hidden or covered up just before the eyes of men. Well, think about this. When he fashions the heart of people, he knows who they are. He knows what they're doing. You see, when you think about all that the Jews have been through, all of their existence, <coughs> pardon me, it was God. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. <coughs> okay, let me back up. When you think about God and you think about the way he relates to the nation of Israel, you think about all that the Jews have been through and you think about the promise that God gave to Abraham. In you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Well, the devil and all those who follow him are not interested in being blessed by God. And so whatever God says, this is the method of blessing, then what are they going to do? They're going to go the opposite direction and they're going to say we can find our own blessings and we can do it on our own way. Thank you very much. It also says in there, God's promise, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. If you think about all that uh, has happened to Israel through their enslavement by Pharaoh, when you think about all of the wars they've had to fight, when you think about their captivity because of their own sin, but then the rise of anti-Semitism even then. Think about the book of Esther and Haman's plans to exterminate the Jews because he hated Mordecai so much. When you come on into modern history and you think again about things like the Holocaust and others, you think about the Arab-Israeli conflict that goes on in the Middle East to this very day. All of these things uh, tell us 
that there is a concerted effort to wipe out the nation of Israel, right? Uh, to kill all of the Jews and to do ethnic cleansing, as we call it. And uh, they're going to do that to go against God, against his plan, and against his blessing. Now, boy, if that's what it means to be blessed, maybe we could do without it. Or could we? You see, sometimes our idea of what God ought to do if he is going to bless people and bless a nation is different than his idea. God has a bigger plan. God has a better plan, an agenda for the nation of Israel. And the same thing could be said of our nation and the same thing could be said of us as individuals. Here we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and look at what we have to live through and look at what we have to go through. This is something that is difficult for us to understand again because we don't understand the heart of God and we don't actually see the big picture. But understand this, as people persecute you, as people come against and try to destroy our nation, as people try to destroy the nation of Israel or whoever it may be, understand this, God knows the hearts of those people. He knows what makes them tick. He knows why they do what they are going to do. And he also knows his people, doesn't he? This would be something that would be true not only for the enemies of God, but also for the friends of God. God knows the heart. He sees far beyond what man can see. And then also number four, because he knows their plans and he knows them even before they do. I mean, this is a reason to rejoice. We uh, think about what the wicked want to do and we say, how in the world could anybody do that and how could they think like that? How could they want to be that way? What in the world uh, are they doing and how could anybody be like that? Well, there's one who has the answer. There's one who understands the wickedness of mankind. There's one who knows what the real motive is because so many times what happens is we see somebody on television, we see somebody at a protest, we see somebody in a classroom, wherever they may be, and they present themselves a certain way. And even to the child of God, we go, well, some of what they say seems to make sense. But the truth of the matter is, they have a heart, and their heart has been fashioned by God, and so God knows it. And he not only knows them, but he knows what they plan to do. He knows how they are going to attack him, how they are going to attack his people. He knows how they are going to try to carry out their wicked schemes and their wicked ideals. And the idea is here that he knows. And when you know, you're ready. When you know, you can counteract when you know you are going to be able to uh, be victorious and to overcome. Let's picture God and the devil 
at a chess, at a chess game. Have you ever seen a, a picture like that? And there they are making their move. Here's the thing you have to understand. The devil has no clue what God's next move is going to be. He may know in a general sense because of what the Bible says, but he doesn't know specifically what the next one is going to be. But understand this, as God sits at the chess table, he knows exactly what Satan is going to do. He knows when he is going to do it. He knows how he is going to do it. And God is also the one who has set the rules so that there are only certain moves that Satan can make. How do you lose? How do you lose when you are playing a game like that? So understand that while this is not a game, this is the way God works. And blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord does not always mean that the nation acts right, that the nation does right, or the nation has everything that they could want. It means that God loves that nation, cares for that nation like he did Israel, enough to let them collapse if that is what is going to bring them back to him. Think about that. Think about the times in which we live. Think about all of the things that are going on in our country. And uh, perhaps God has not abandoned us to the extent that we think he has. Perhaps God is doing a great work in our land even now. And as we look and we see things going on that we don't like, that we don't understand, that we don't agree with, maybe, maybe, maybe that is the corrective hand of God setting us up for the greatest days we have ever seen in terms of our relationship with God. So, I don't know, and you don't know either, but perhaps, perhaps, that's why we're going through what we are politically, and um, in our health, and in our economy, those type of things. Maybe we're on the verge of something great getting ready to happen because of our God, this God who is watching, this God who understands everything that is going on, this God who knows the heart of the people of God as well as the most wicked people that walk upon the earth. And this is the God that is knowing their plan because their plan will never overthrow his plan. His plan is supreme and he's already won the victory so that's why we trust and that's why we obey we walk on with him and we march onward from victory unto victory his army shall he lead till every foe is vanquished and christ is lord indeed until that day press on keep the armor on keep praying keep marching forward and let us go on until Jesus Christ finally says it's over and we will share in the victory with him forever and ever and ever. I hope that encourages you. I hope it gives you something to chew on and to think about. And as you do so, I pray the Lord blesses you. I pray the Lord answers your prayers. I pray the Lord gives you peace that passes understanding 
for his own glory. Thank you for tuning in and have a great week and we'll see you on Sunday morning.